listening to the Up and Under podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome into the Up and Under podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Join with me, as always, it's Zeeshan. Yo. Alright, man. Once again, another episode of the Quarantine podcast. And from the jump, we want to apologize for any audio issues that you may face while listening to this episode again we're working remotely in this situation so we're trying to do the best with the current situation like i'm sure all of you are doing in your day-to-day lives so we definitely want to apologize if there are any issues we will try to mitigate as much as we could but we just want to apologize if or when there will be any audio issues but that being said on this week's episode we're going to be starting something pretty special in my opinion uh, obviously, other platforms, other you know, people have done this before, but we're on a mission to find the best all-time starting five in the NBA. So we decided to basically break out the brackets. We're going to be creating our Eastern and Western Conference um, all-time starting five brackets. We've already selected our teams for each conference. And in this episode, we're going to be basically breaking down the first two matchups of the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference, uh, you know, playoff matchups, essentially. Um, And we, this was quite difficult to narrow the list down. Obviously, um, you know, (laughs) some of these all-time starting fives are absolutely incredible. Like, Like, it was really, really difficult. But, you know we decided to break them down based off of how these teams would do in a best of seven series. So if these two teams were put head to head, who would win in a best of seven? So we kind of based it off of the actual play rather than individual accolades. So I don't know if Zeeshan's got anything to add to that. Um, yeah, so pretty much we did it exactly like, as Hani said, a playoff format. Um, we took the top eight teams from the East and the West, pretty much. Not ranked. Just keep yeah, that in not, mind. Yeah, not ranked. We didn't We didn't rank them. We literally just took what we thought was the best eight in no individual order. And then we put them in a bracket for East and West. Um, and as Hani said, um, you know, all-time, you know, lineup. So not just, not five best player, but all-time lineup. And uh, this is also according to ESPN. Um, yeah, 2020... ESPN released those two articles with uh, b- with the 2020, uh, like, updated as of 2020, so we've all gone based off of those. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, and as Hani said, it was pretty hard. Like, uh, Hani handled the Eastern Conference, I handled the Western Conference. Um, yeah, it was tough, man. It was tough Narrowing to just choose eight, yeah, eight, eight uh, teams out of the... Uh, 15 that were there bro that's that's it was hard man it was hard yeah um so i guess one thing i will have to speak more on about is the is the matchup procedure and how we managed to create the brackets without actually ranking these teams because obviously we just listed these teams out and all our matchups are completely random we put them all into a randomizer and like a spinner and just spun to get matchups so which means that this is going to be all based off of 
uh, legit who is the best because that's what we're going for at the end of the day. Like we don't we, these whatever these te- these top eight teams per conference are. These are the best teams in our opinion out of out of that conference, and then from there, whoever is the best is going to be crowned the best starting five of all time. And so, again, this is up, in our opinion, so like yeah, keep that in mind. You know, yeah, uh, people might have different things. At the end of the day, we'll never know. So, yeah. Yeah. This is heavy speculation, but we thought it would be really fun to to try this and maybe even see where, what, what type of rabbit holes we fall into. With that, we will first tell you guys the teams um, that we selected for each conference. Now, I'll tell you the Eastern Conference. Zishan can go ahead and tell you the Western Conference. So, for the Eastern Conference, the all-time starting fives are from the Milwaukee Bucks, the Detroit Pistons, the Miami Heat, the Toronto Raptors, the Boston Celtics, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Chicago Bulls, and the Orlando Magic. Yeah, and from the Western Conference, we have... um, Now, ESPN has uh, the OKC and the Seattle teams as separate. Just for, you know, uh, making it easier in arguments, I put them... We put them both together, so it's the OKC slash Seattle... Uh, franchise and that kind of makes more sense as well because of the fact that uh, OKC did uh, you know inherit Seattle's franchise records so you know just to make it easier I combined the OKC and Seattle uh, lineups Um, and then after that we have the Golden State or slash San Francisco lineups the Los Angeles Lakers San Antonio Spurs, the Utah Jazz, the Portland Trailblazers, the Houston Rockets, and finally the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, so now we'll tell you guys all four matchups uh, for each for each conference that we randomly generated. So in the Eastern Conference, our first matchup that the first matchup that we're going to be doing in this episode, we're going to be highlighting in this episode is Toronto versus Philadelphia. Second matchup is Milwaukee versus Detroit. Third matchup, Chicago versus Orlando. Fourth matchup, Boston versus Miami. Um, and out west, we have Golden State versus Los Angeles, the Lakers. San Antonio versus Portland. Utah versus Oklahoma City slash Seattle. And Houston versus Phoenix. So, so in this... Yeah, go ahead. It, yeah, and I was just going to say, so in this episode, we're going to be taking the first two matchups of East... Uh, of each conference pretty much so this is basically part one of round one obviously we wanted to incorporate both the east and western conference so we're going to be doing highlighting two matchups from each conference we're just going to be interchanging one eastern matchup then one western matchup and vice versa so we'll start off with the eastern conference uh the first matchup that we have is the toronto raptors versus the philadelphia 76ers now the all-time starting five as according to espn of the toronto raptors is Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Vince Carter, Kawhi Leonard, and Chris Bosh. And then for the Philadelphia 76ers, we have Allen Iverson, Hall Greer, Julius Irving, Dr. J, Charles Barkley, and Wilt Chamberlain. Now, I'm not going to lie. On paper, Philadelphia's roster definitely stands out more just based on the fact that you have the bigger names. You have AI, you have Dr. J, Charles Barkley, you have um, Wilt Chamberlain, but the Raptors were no slouches. I mean, you have 
Vince Carter, who's going to go down as a bona fide Hall of Famer. Kawhi Leonard, who's one of the best players of all time and in the game today. Uh, Chris Bosh, very good player. Kyle Lowry, Hall of, Hall of Fame caliber player. DeMar DeRozan, very good player. So, really, I base this off of the highlighting the strengths of each team. So, Toronto, their main strengths, defense, very good defensive team. Obviously, they can. the weakest link is DeMar DeRozan, but he definitely still has the size. And we've seen as Raptor fans, when he wants to play defense, uh, he can definitely step up and be a, a quality defender. Vince Carter is obviously solid. Kawhi is one of the best defensive players of all time. Um... So Raptors are definitely a very good defensive team. Uh, scoring, they definitely have a lot of scoring on this team. Kawhi can definitely score the ball. Vince Carter can score the ball. DeMar DeRozan can score the ball. Not to mention, you have guys like Bosh and Kyle Lowry who could also occasionally give you the, the good 30, 30 points or so on, on any given night. And the most important element of, the, of this Raptors starting five that I feel gives them... A good advantage is the fact that they they can play a more modern style of basketball, because obviously all these players can shoot. Maybe not Demar, but Demar can still still shoot from the mid range. Most of these players can shoot and spread the floor, and they can guard multiple positions. Like you can put um, basically Demar, Vince Carter, and Kawhi Leonard. You can kind of interchange them however way you want. Even Chris Bosh can guard some smaller players if switches. Ha- would it occur? So Toronto definitely has the more modern style, which flips things over to Philadelphia. Now Philadelphia, obviously, offensively, fantastic. I mean, you have Allen Iverson, one of the greatest scorers of all time. Will Cham- I mean, Will Chamberlain is one of the best bigs of all time, one of the best players of all time. Period. Charles Barkley can was honestly a revolution for the power forward position. Really defined the point forward role. And then you have Dr. J. Dr. J was one of one of the best scorers of the AB, in, in the ABA and his time in the NBA as well. So scoring was definitely an asset for Philadelphia. Where they're weak at is defensively because none of the players who I just mentioned could really defend very well. Allen Iverson is not a defender whatsoever. Charles Barkley can't play defense. Uh, Julius Irvin, not really sure. I would guess he wouldn't be as good as a defender as you know, most players. And then their only greatest defensive player is Will Chamberlain. So that they're very weak there. But the one thing Philadelphia has going for them is that they have the best player in the series. So I'm going to first give... So obviously, Zeeshan, what do you think? Like, tell me, tell me what do you think of this matchup? I mean, you have some good points um, for, you know, for both teams. Um, the one thing I will say, yeah, you can say the, uh, you know, that the Raptors are more modernized. I, 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 you can say that. The problem is that theoretically, if we're actually, you know, talking facts, Philadelphia, their their lineup can be pretty modernized as well. You know, you think about, you know, um, I guess the main matchup would be, you know, the Chris Bosh versus Will Chamberlain. Chris Bosh, a more um, modern type of center versus Will Chamberlain, a more old school center. The issue is that Will Chamberlain is also one of the fastest players of all time and one of the most athletic players of all time. And then also the fact that Charles Barkley himself is a 6'6 power forward and he would be perfect for the modern NBA as well. 
The problem um, with Barkley is that he can't uh, he can't really shoot. But if you're talking about facilitating, I mean, uh, I mean, attacking. He defending. he was a. Sorry, I mean, he did shoot. He did shoot the most threes, like at his position in the '90s. So, but he did not convert on many of them. I mean, his percentage was bad, but I his mean, if we're talking like about six percent, yeah, if we're talking about modern NBA, I feel like if he had actually, it's it's the same argument with you know the Michael Jordan thing about oh he wasn't that good at shooting threes, but like if you give them the modern game, I'm sure their percentage would be much better. You know, it was just a thing where players back then didn't take as many threes. Um, so that's my thing about the whole modern, you know, which team is more mo- modern argument. Um, also the fact is that Philadelphia has, uh, a lot more size than, uh, than Toronto does, if we're being honest. Maybe not at the guard positions, but definitely at the big man position, you know, you're talking about Charles Barkley, who is shorter than, uh, Kawhi, but definitely if you put Charles Barkley in the post against Kawhi, Charles Barkley would bully Kawhi in the post. I don't know about that one, to be honest with you, Kawhi's not a player that can be bullied, like... Okay, Ka- Kawhi's a great perimeter defender. He's but definitely you're talking very about, strong. You're talking about the tank that is Charles Barkley in the post. On the but perimeter, the I would Kawhi give you Kawhi's got a tank in LeBron, so... Yeah, like, but, I mean... Who's Charles the bigger Bar- tank, Charles Barkley or LeBron? I think LeBron is bigger. Yeah, but Charles Barkley's more of a power forward than LeBron is, you know? Like, you can say whatever you want, but Charles Barkley would at the end of the day, take that matchup in the post. Maybe not on the perimeter, but in the post. And then Will Chamberlain versus Chris Bosh in the post. I mean, that's not even a debate. Chris Bosh was yeah, a great defender over. in his era. Okay, but Will Chamberlain literally scored 100 points in a game. Like, you can't top that. So, I mean, you do bring up some good points. Um, defensively, obviously, I think um, Philly has some issues there. Uh, but some, to be honest... Not. To be honest, like, Toronto with Demar Wilt is probably and, Wilt is probably their their is their best defender. And the problem, yeah. the the one thing I, I will have to say, because Bosch can stretch the floor, because Wilt was most effective when he's in the paint because he's got the length and the athleticism that he can just swat away shots. Now, if you're extending him out to the three point line to guard Chris Bosch, now yes, he's the fastest player in the game. Like one of the like he's a very fast player as a big. But are you going to tell me this guy's going to constantly keep running from the three-point line to try to contest shots? When, again, you can it's, – it, it's the it's like basically what, what's happening with the Warriors where, yeah, okay, you can leave from, from the guy in the corner, but that, that's just an easy kick-out pass, and then that's, a, that's an open three. So, it's yeah, definitely – Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely some valid points. Um, I think we have to move on just because of time. But, um, yeah, definitely some points. One thing I do want to point out, I do want to highlight one more thing, though, is just individual matchups. Now, again, the Raptors are the more balanced team here. Defensively, they can match up better, which is why I think the team that is going to be moving, should be moving on, if these two teams were to meet, I think it's going to be Toronto. The balanced team in a seven-game series, I think that that's where they have the edge in. Uh, I mean, I would disagree with that, but that's, you know, that's, you're, you're in charge of the Eastern Conference, so, you know, that's, that's, that's your pick. But to be yeah. honest, I think, I, I think it would be close, but I think I would have to, you know, go with the 76ers, but hey, you know, everything's subjective, man. Yeah, everything's subjective. I mean, like, again, like, this was a, this would be a hard-fought series, definitely, 
but I just think I have to give the edge to, to Toronto just for being the more balanced team. And, and also a homework pick, kind of. Oh, come on. Okay. It's a, it's kind of a homework pick, but there, there's facts to back it up, too. So let's flip things over to another tough matchup. Uh, we're flipping things to the Western Conference, and I'll let Zeeshan take over from here. Yeah, so the Western Conference, my first matchup ended up being Golden State uh, versus Los Angeles Lakers. And I think How this convenient. might... This, to be honest, might be the toughest matchup. I think that we might see all of the whole, uh, you know, bracket that we're doing. This this might be the toughest one. This this has the potential of being the, you know, two greatest all-time starting five lineups, um, you know, franchise-wise. And you wouldn't think it either. Like, you wouldn't, like, when people think all-time Lakers, they're like, oh, the Lakers are just great. Like, nobody can beat that lineup. But then you see this Golden State lineup. And yeah, exactly. You don't you don't think at first, you know, Golden State, you're like, oh, Lakers, easy pick, which was my pick at first. And then I had to look at Golden State's lineup again, and it was ridiculous, man. Um, let me, I'll, I'll give it to you guys uh, right here. So the Los Angeles Lakers lineup is, um, hold up, uh, is Magic Johnson, Jerry West, Kobe Bryant, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Shaquille O'Neal. Versus the Golden State lineup, which is Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Will Chamberlain. Now, on paper, at first, you know, my initial thoughts were, you know, um, both teams offensively are great. Um, obviously, the thing is that the Warriors have the more modern offense, obviously, with Steph, Clay, and KD um, on the perimeter. You know, you won't be able to beat that in terms of modern offense and then at the same time you have uh will chamberlain down low so you theoretically have four guys that can get you 50 themselves you know um and literally i told honey too when we were making the notes bro theoretically this team could literally score like 200 points a game bro if we're being honest like will chamberlain literally did 100 points and that steph clean kd can all get you 50 so this team could theoretically literally give you like uh 200 points um you know and then we're talking about the lakers lineup the lakers too magic johnson a great playmaker maybe the best player maker of all time jerry west is one of the best offensive players of his era kobe obviously gave you 81 that's literally all you need to know kareem abdul jabbar greatest scorer in nba history um and then Shaq, you know was I don't know if he is there, but was at least at one point a uh, top five scorer of all time. So these teams are, you know, both great scoring teams um, in different ways. Uh, obviously, the Lakers team is more um, inside the paint dominance, whereas the Golden State team um, is more perimeter orientated. So if we're talking about the modern game, you know, obviously, I think Golden State will definitely fit the modern game better. But that's not to say that the Lakers wouldn't have a great time on offense either, you know. As I just mentioned, all of these guys could literally score, except for, you know, Magic Johnson was really uh, a great scorer, but he was definitely one of the best offensive players of all time just because of his his playmaking ability. The main point was for me, you know, at first I was like, the, 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 main, the main emphasis I had was uh, defense. And at first, you know, thinking about it, you're like, okay, obviously the Lakers have a better defense. But when you actually re-look at the lineups, 
it's kind of the same to be honest like the the defensive matchup isn't that far apart if we if we're being honest um on the lakers side of things uh you know kobe Bryant, great defender magic johnson good defender as well shaquille o'neal and kareem abdul jabbar were not particularly known as good defenders at the position you know they they had their moments defensively but overall if we're being honest they weren't they weren't terrible defenders but they were not great defenders um, by any stretch. Whereas on Golden State, at the two big positions, you have Draymond and Will. Now, again, yes, the, the, the main matchup is the Kareem versus Draymond. Obviously, Draymond would get eaten alive um, in the post by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But we're still talking about Draymond Green that has been arguably the best defender of this decade and then will chamberlain obviously was a great defender in his own right um and then going on to the guard situation uh for the lakers the main i think problem is uh the jerry west versus clay thompson uh matchup where clay thompson is one of the best defenders of his era jerry west is not such a great defender himself obviously the magic johnson versus steph curry comparison defensively yes magic johnson does have the edge in that but again we're talking about, and then Kevin Durant versus Kobe. You know, Kobe, I would say, is definitely a better defender, but K KD in his own right is a great defender as well. So that matchup kind of cancels each other out. So again, like, as I said, at first glance, I would have said, you know, Lakers have a superior defense. But, you know, looking at it again, um, they kind of are at the, you know, same spot defensively. There's They're, they're kind of, you know equal in that right um do you have any like do you have anything else you want to add on um honestly like again like i agree with 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 the fact that this is a very difficult matchup to uh, to predict which i mean like like you 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 don't even you never even had a pick until yeah like, I we're gonna I make a pick now I'm literally gonna make my pick on the spot. Literally, we yeah. we had all our other picks before, but this one I couldn't decide um, while we were prepping for this episode. So I'm literally just gonna do this on the spot, you know? Yeah. So again, like I agree, like Golden, like when you add Kev, like I think Kevin Durant to me makes this a lot harder than it than it than it normally would have been, like because again, like Kevin Durant is an all time, like one of the greatest players of all time, one of the best scorers of all time. Period. And again, like when you're adding him to Steph to Clay, and then Will Chamberlain on top of that, like how do you stop that? But then again, the Lakers. I mean, I guess you can argue that that the Lakers have slightly less firepower because Kobe is there. Okay, you have Shaq, and then you have you have Kareem, but you got to also factor in Shaq's gonna be guarded by Will Chamberlain. So I think that's a negation already. Kobe can score on anybody, so I'm not really worried about Kobe. And then obviously Kareem would eat Draymond alive. And on the on the Golden State side, well, Steph Curry can be negated by Magic Johnson, but who's stopping Clay Thompson? And again, Clay Thompson, you can know, go you off, can... and then Kevin Durant can go score on anybody. And then yeah. you have Will Chamberlain. And again, to your point about the Steph Curry thing, you know, Magic could definitely help defend Steph Curry. But the problem with Steph Curry, the thing that makes him one of the greatest players of all time, is the fact that this guy doesn't even need to have the ball to have such a great impact on offense. That's because true, once yeah. you have Steph Curry at half court, that's all the impact you know he really needs. Because 
defenses are worried literally once he crosses half court. And then obviously, if he gets the ball past half court, he can literally launch it from anywhere. So even if you have Magic, a guy like Magic Johnson on him, will you really have Magic Johnson guarding him full court all game, every game? That's that's not a really, you know, uh, you can't really ask that of Magic Johnson, even if he is, you know, a good defender. So either way, Steph Curry will make a huge impact on offense, whether he has the ball or not, whether he's shooting, you know, five times a game, 15 times a game, it doesn't matter. He'll make his impact. So I think that's the one interesting thing about Steph Curry. And then obviously, Klay Thompson, um, you know, Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, too. Uh, yeah. The one thing that make that makes them really great as well is the fact of uh how they move off ball. They're they're two of the greatest um cutters off ball movers of all time. I mean, yeah. I mean, like that's again, like that to me. If we're looking at this particular matchup, it's it's honestly tough. But I think because they're defensively about the same. You know, as much as it pains me to say this, I I have to give the edge to Golden State. I I just think that having that extra firepower and the just the the versatility that you have with Steph and Clay, on top of KD and um Will Chamberlain, like you know, I just see them edging this out if these two were to go head to head. But you Ooh. got final say, obviously. Oh man, I don't know, bro. I don't know. Um, I think. Call me a Golden State. I think hater, before but before you go, before before you say your pick, I do gotta make one thing clear to 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 the listeners out there. Whoever we pick, we're going off of the best lineup of all time. So either way, if the Lakers were to get eliminated in the first round, it wouldn't have even if they didn't play Golden State in the first round, they would have probably gotten eliminated later on had Golden State moved on because Golden State would have probably gotten past the first round. In all honesty, with the, with this lineup, exactly. So, yeah, that's that was the interesting thing about having a so, random, uh, you know, matchup selection. Exactly. There's technically no upsets because they would have been. You could be eliminated any at, at any time. So, again, it's your it, it's your final say at the end of the day. So where 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 are you going with this? Oh man, this is tough. Um. I was at various points leaning towards one way or another, but I think for my final pick, you know, just to do it, maybe a bit, uh, maybe because I might ho- hate Golden State a bit, but I'm going to go with the Lakers. Um, besides the fact that, you know, I kind of hate Golden State, um, but in at this, at, for this episode, I was being, you know, whenever we do these podcasts, podcasts, I'm, you know, usually pretty objective. The one thing, Sorry, the one thing I think that uh, gives me the edge for the Lakers rather than the Warriors is the Draymond Green and Kareem matchup. The issue with this is that although Draymond's a great defender in his own right, bro, we're talking about the greatest scorer of all time in Kareem, especially the fact that Draymond gives about what, like a almost a foot, half a foot edge. I mean, Kareem has like a half seven inches yeah a good seven inch um edge on Draymond and then you know we're talking about the greatest score of all time with the most unstoppable move in NBA history on a guy that's almost a foot shorter than him I think I would have to give I think I would have to give the matchup to 
uh, Kareem. Now, obviously, you can do different things like put KD on Kareem and then put Draymond on Kobe instead of, you know, having it um, the other way. But I think the main thing that does it for me is the fact that, you know, in any case, you have a mismatch on the greatest scorer of all time. So I think that's what, for me, solidifies having the Lakers move on. Okay, fair enough. I mean, a lot of people are, are going to be support, uh, supportive of that that choice. Again, like for me, I think you kind of swayed me over back to the Lakers just mainly because my hatred of Golden State kind of... You almost through. swayed me to Golden State side. I was going to go with the Lakers and then you talked about Golden State. I was like, oh man, I might have to go with Golden State. But at the Again, end, of, like, I was like, you know, screw it. I'll go with the Lakers. It shows how tough of a of a matchup this is. And again, like we're going with the all-time. We want the best of the best moving on. So, again, any edge is 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 magnified. So, even the slightest edge, like a like a mismatch, can be huge in moving you moving on. But the Lakers are definitely would definitely a great choice. To move on. Uh, which flipping things back over to the Eastern Conference, moving on to our second. Uh, matchup in our bracket we have the Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Detroit Pistons now the Bucks honestly with the emergence of Giannis has a really great starting all-time starting five the all-time starting five has Oscar Robinson uh, Sidney Moncrief Ray Allen Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar versus the Detroit Pistons who have Isaiah Thomas Joe Dumars Grant Hill Big Ben Wallace and Bob Lanier. Again, both are really great lineups. Both teams have won championships, but let's start with Milwaukee. Now, Milwaukee overall, I think they have the more, the more talent. Like when you're talking about Kareem, when you're talking about Giannis, then you're talking about Oscar Robertson. Then on top of that, you're gonna add Ray Allen and then Sidney Moncrief with no slouch. They are really talented on on all facets. Like this team has size. They have. Score, they can score from anywhere. They can they can shoot, and they're great defensively. Like this team is scary. Like when like Giannis and Kareem, like Kareem is not the greatest defender in the world. Don't get me wrong, but when you have Giannis and Kareem, two big bodies like that in the paint, that's tough. Then Oscar Robinson, no slouch, and Cindy Moncrief was one of the best defensive players in the league at his time. So they 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 have a they're a really great talented team. Now, which brings me to Detroit. Now, Detroit, they can definitely score with Isaiah Thomas and Grant Hill. Um, they can definitely score. Definitely a defensive team. Like, that's how the Pistons won pretty much all their titles, by playing really physical, in-your-face defense. Uh, but the one problem with the Pistons is they just can't shoot. Now, I think Isaiah Thomas has range, but that really wasn't his primary focus of his game. Grant Hill versus Ray Allen. I'm taking Ray Allen every time. Um, and then obviously, Ben Wallace and Bob Lanier, they can't shoot. So shooting, definitely, I have to give the edge to Milwaukee. Uh, but what what say you? What's, what's kind of your thoughts? This is a tough matchup too. Um, definitely in terms of talent, for sure, Milwaukee would trump uh, Detroit's talent. Um yeah, we're talking about defense. Obviously, you have Kareem there, not the greatest defender, as you said. Um, but Giannis is a perennial all-defensive player. Um, and then Sidney Moncrief was one of the best perimeter defensive players of all time. And Oscar Robertson was a good defender in his own right, too. Obviously, with the Detroit uh, Pistons, 
you know, their defense embodies what they have been whenever they've been good. And they embody the, you know, the Detroit style of basketball. You know, as you said, the Bad whole in-your-face, in you know, tough, physical, Ben Wallace, Joe Dumars, Isaiah Thomas type of defense. So either way, both teams are great um, defensively. Um, and then, you know, in terms of individual matchups, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who, although he is young, he's also, he's always, um, he's already in contention for one of the best, you know, uh, greatest, like, 30 players of all time, just because of how talented, how good he is already. Um, obviously, you know, there, you do have for the Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, one of the greatest backcourts of all of all time grant hill um in detroit was you know prime grant hill even though he was young this is a dude that people thought could have been you know the next michael jordan and then obviously all the injuries happened and that really killed um what you know what he had going on um it's a tough matchup but in terms of my opinion i think again just like last matchup i think kareem is the x factor you know, if I'm going down the list, I think I would rather have probably, you know, Big O versus Isaiah Thomas. I think I would give the slight edge to Big O. Um, probably Joe Dumars versus Sidney Moncrief. I would give to Joe Dumars maybe. But that's a tough matchup either way because Sidney Moncrief is a great defender. Um, Ray Allen versus Grant Hill. I would definitely take Grant Hill. You know, that's prime Grant Hill. Um, but then again, Giannis versus Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace is one of the best defenders of all time. But I think... Giannis is so multifaceted and such a great all-around player that I would probably pick Giannis over him. And then Kareem versus Bob Lanier. Um, Bob Lanier is a good player, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, again, just like last matchup, is the greatest uh, scorer of all time, you know, uh, by a good margin as well. So I think for me, the, you know, the Kareem matchup does it again for me. Um, and I would go with Milwaukee moving on. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Like honestly, like it's just the the talent just really is just it's honestly just too much for the the uh, the, the Pistons to overcome. And again, you were talking about Grand Hill versus Ray Allen. Like you know, when I'm talking talk, like again, like if we're talking about individual matchups, Grand Hill is the better player. But when you're talking about you have such interior domination with uh, Giannis and Kareem. And then on top of that, you have one of the greatest shooters of all time. Yeah, that's that's to. a good point. Like, Definitely, yeah. Like that, that's a huge edge and advantage for for Milwaukee. So, I think there's no question Milwaukee is the team moving on to the next round. So, let's flip things back to the Western Conference. Um. Yeah. So for my second matchup, uh, as we talked about already, is the San Antonio Spurs versus the Portland Trail Blazers. Now, for the San Antonio Spurs, we have Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, George Gervin, Tim Duncan, David Robinson. Um, and then for the Portland Trailblazers, we have Damian Lillard, Clyde Drexler, Brandon Roy, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Bill Walton. So, I think right off the bat, uh, for me, I do like Portland's team. I will give them that. They have a good offensive team. Um, I guess more, you know... A modern style uh, of a team even though to be honest we're not you know this San Antonio team could run in any era you could put them in any era and they would be fine but if we're talking about you know the more um, stereotypical modern 
style of team. I think Portland has that in terms of their offense. You know, you're talking about Dame and Clyde and Brandon Roy, a great perimeter shooting um, uh, trio, plus Marcus Aldridge and Bill Walton. Um, listen, man, Bill Walton uh, doesn't get talked about enough. He was... He was one of the greatest players of all time, and to be honest, could have been, you know, a top 10, top 5 player of all time, if not for all of the injuries he had, uh, because when he was healthy for the short time that he was, he was literally one of the, you know, 5 best players in the league. Uh, the problem with the Portland Trailblazers is, just individually wise, they just don't stack up against the Spurs, if we're being honest. LaMarcus Aldridge has been a good player for a long time, is one of the best players of his, you know, uh, a top 20 player of, you know, this decade or of his era. The problem is when you're putting him against Tim Duncan, who is the greatest power forward of all time, it's not really a matchup comparison. And Brandon Roy, he was a good player, but unfortunately he could never, he had too many injuries um, and he could never reach his full potential. And even if he had, in my opinion, you're talking about him against the Iceman and George Gervin, one of the greatest players of all time in the ABA and in the NBA. Um, and then obviously you have the Clyde Drexler, Manu Ginobili comparison. Um, you know, Manu Ginobili was a great player. Clyde Drexler, probably a top 20 player of all time. And then you have the Dame and Tony Parker uh, matchup. Though, you know, obviously Tony Parker's a better i guess you can say maybe all-around player dame is definitely the better offensive player um but again the problem is with uh this matchup portland has a good offense but overall san antonio is just an insane team and i said this i think i told the sahani before too this san antonio spurs team has no flaws you you look at this team up and down the roster as i said you can look you can plug this team into any era and they will be fine because they have no weaknesses you know you're talking about shooting although you know this team isn't you know wouldn't light it up like let's say portland would you know plug them into the modern game you'd have tim duncan shooting threes george gervin shooting threes manu ginobili was a good three-point shooter tony parker wasn't the greatest three-point shooter but again given putting him in the modern era um you know or extending his career a bit um in terms of to get to now this era i think we would definitely see a better shooter in tony parker um but defensively the san antonio spurs team kills the portland team you know bill Wan was a good defender but the rest of the guys you know clyde drexler was a good defender or okay defender but you know brandon roy lamarcus aldridge damian lillard that trio defensively is absolutely nothing in comparison to the San Antonio Spurs team defensively. You know, you're talking about one of the greatest defenders of all time in Tim Duncan. George Gervin was a good defender. Manu Ginobili was a good defender. David Robinson, you know, one of the best players of his era offensively and defensively as well. Um, I think what it comes down to for me is the fact that the San Antonio team has no weaknesses, has no flaws, can literally keep up with this Portland team. Um, I think this team would you know significantly we're talking about all-time lineups and you know all these lineups are great but i think in terms of this matchup i think the spurs would significantly beat the uh this portland team yeah i mean i i have to i have to agree with that one i mean like again like you brought up basically 
uh, a lot of great points in the fact that Portland, I do like the Portland offensively. I think, uh, I mean, if y'all have been listening to the show, you know I'm a big Damian Lillard fan. I, I, I think he's great. LaMarcus Aldridge is obviously is a great player for this era. Um, Brandon Roy was one of my favorite players to watch. I mean, unfortunately, his career just wasn't long enough. Uh, due to the injuries, because I would have loved to see him play more. Um, and then, not to mention, you have Clyde Drexler, who was great in his own right. And then, again, um, Bill Walton was was no slouch himself. He was a very sol- very g- good player. So, again, like there's this Portland team was very talented, but when you're comparing them to the all-time Spurs, there's just no comparison here. Like, Tim, Tony, and Manu themselves have more championships combined than all the guys on the Blazers. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then you put then in the, yeah, George David Gervin, Robinson, David Robson. And then yeah. the Iceman. Like, it, it's just no question. I mean, again, like, I'm a big Spurs guy. So, I watched a lot of the Tim Tony Manu days. And the, they, they were just fantastic. Like, they were one of the best trios of all time. And then on top of that, you had David Robinson and, then, and George Gervin. No question, San Antonio deserves to be the team moving on out of these will- two teams. Yeah, I will add one more thing too. I was talking about um, the Portland team offensively, but again, the San Antonio team, David Robinson uh, did put up, I think, is that the third most points in NBA history in a game with when he had uh, 71 points? So yeah, if you're talking about offensively as well, like David Robinson literally himself got 71 points, let alone George Gervin, who was one of the great scorers of all time. Um, and then Tim Duncan, Manu, Tony Parker. So even offensively, by that standard too, uh, San Antonio's probably better. Even though you don't stereotypically think that they are, but they were probably a better offensive team too. Um, not to mention defensively, they're obviously uh, much better. Yeah, and uh, so San Antonio moving on. So with that, that concludes part one of the first round of the all-time bracket. So moving on from the Eastern Conference. Just to recap, we have Toronto and Milwaukee uh, moving on into the second round. And then, obviously, uh, in the Western Conference, we have the Lakers and the Spurs moving on in the West. So, obviously, tune into next week's episode as well. We're going to be breaking down the other two matchups per, for each conference. So, definitely, you don't want to miss the next episode. And finally, to end off this week's episode, we're going to be ending off, as usual, with the Up and Under segment. So, to start us off... We have some COVID-19 updates around the NBA. It was actually a very eventful, uh, you know, eventful updates because, again, uh, sports leagues are trying to figure out ways to come back. The NHL has recently announced their plans to come back. No dates, unfortunately, but they at least have a solid plan as far as how they're going to work their playoff system and how they're going to, you know, get back to playing. So... I'll just list you out some of these uh, COVID updates. So are you up or under on the NBA considering a 1-16 through 16 playoff format, which means that the teams would be uh, bracketed in a 1-16 to 16 fast fashion rather than being bracketed in their individual conferences? Uh, are you up or under on 75% of GMs wanting to a play-in tournament to determine the final seeds? Uh, who can make it into the NBA playoffs, similar to what the NHL is doing. Uh, next, are you up or under on the possibility of playoff groups, like the way the, the way the EuroLeague soccer handles it uh, for their playoff formats? 
Also, the NBA is aiming to start in late July. And finally, the NBA and the NBPA are discussing ways for players' families to be in, in the whole Orlando bubble because Orlando has basically been confirmed as the destination for the return of play. So are you up or under on some of these updates? Um, I mean, I'm up on all of them because I think it shows a, uh, you know, a solid um, base as to where we're going with this NBA season. Um, let me just address some of these points. Uh, the 1 through 16 playoff format, I would have never liked, but the fact that they're all probably going to be in one location now renders it, uh, you know, the whole traveling thing useless. So I think I'm I'm on board with the 1 through 16 playoff format now because there's not going to be any, uh, uh, you know, jet lag issues or travel issues, all of that. Um, the point about the play-in tournament I think that's mainly due to the fact that it makes the most sense now to have a play-in tournament because of the fact that we're probably going to have a reduced uh, season if we even have a regular season at this point at all. So I think it makes the most sense to have, you know, just the teams that are fighting out for the playoff spot to have them play, um, you know, to get into the final seeds. So I think that is more about, you know, just time remaining more than anything. Um, so I think I support that. Um, the one about the, you know, how they do it in the Champions League for, you know, soccer, football, um, that one was interesting. But again, the way, you know, if you guys watch football or, you know, soccer for North Americans, um, if you guys watch it, um, if you guys watch that type of format and everything, uh, you guys know it'll probably take, um, actually, I was going to say it might take too much time, but I don't know at this point. Um and then finally, the, the, the whole point about um, discussing player families to be with them in Orlando. Obviously, what they said to um, an extra point to add to that was that they said that obviously, you know, the 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 non-playoff teams would have to be eliminated for um, player families to be with the rest of the teams. Because obviously, they have to limit the number of people that are allowed to be in Orlando just because of logistics and all of that. So obviously, if they did have that, they, that would be um, after, you know, the rest of the teams have been eliminated. Yeah, I mean, definitely I agree with the 1-16 through 16 playoff format. I just think it just makes the most amount of sense. The only issue is that, again, the, the teams competing for those final playoff spots, uh, you know, they don't see if they don't get to be in the playoffs like why would they uh like they're, they're not playing like Damian Lillard has already said that if the, the Blazers aren't gonna have a chance to make it to the playoffs and he's not playing any regular season games uh for the remainder of the season obviously teams like Golden State and Minnesota whose seasons are basically over aren't gonna want to play so again the NBA is gonna have to have to figure out a way to make this fair enough so that you know to get to give everyone a fair shot to make it in the teams that deserve to make it in the playoffs give them a fair shot to do so so i do definitely agree with that um the one thing i do have a concern with is the players families obviously being in the orlando bubble my only concern with that is the nba having too many people to keep track of because again some families are large some families are small and they are the nba are already going to be limiting travel staff to be about 35 people and a typical nba travel staff is like 50 people 55 people so if they're already cutting that by 20 20 people 
how, like, can you really bring, like, four families, which, if we're comparing it to a round number, around three to four more people per player, so that's, like, three or four times another 15 players, and then also you gotta include staff in there, too, so it just becomes, like, a lot of people to keep an eye on, but that's obviously the NBA's and the NBPA's uh, whole responsibility, but... Yeah, I mean, this is great news. It's great. It's a great sign that a plan should be imminent because, again, they need to do this soon because they are trying to aim to start play in late July, which means they need to figure out flights, they need to figure out dates, and they need to figure out locations on how this is in logistics and how this is going to work. So this is the time. This is the time that you got to make this decision. So, yeah. I yeah, it's 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 a lot of work um on the NBA's part, but you know at this point with whatever they have, I think we as fans would just take it at this point. Like, you know, um, football or soccer started, so at least that's good. Even though you know a lot of if you look at a lot of their players too, they ha- they have a lot of complaints about the way they're doing it. Obviously. A lot of them are, you know, in the English soccer league, especially Britain just handled the whole situation terribly in general. So, you know, there's a lot of complaints on that issue and all that. But, I mean, yeah, again, we as fans will just take anything at this point. So, um, you know, whatever they have, it, it'll be cool. Um, next up, are you up or under on the fact that Carmelo Anthony saying that he doesn't like um, comparisons between Michael Jordan and LeBron because of the fact that essentially, you know, we've heard before, you know, LeBron's career isn't done and LeBron is a different type of player than Michael Jordan. Um, I'm going to have to say I'm a bit under on this just for the fact that we did, we did mention this briefly in last week's episode, kind of talking about like how Vince Carter said that this debate should wait till LeBron retires. Which, again, I do agree that the main debate should wait. But in the meanwhile, LeBron asked for this comparison to be made. Like, if you are publicly going publicly gonna to state that I'm chasing this guy, well, the media has a job to do. And their job is going to be to speculate and to prove whether or not that is the case. So, again, and LeBron is one of the most... Um, I guess, followed or covered athletes of all time because he grew up in the media-dominant era. So he has been one of the most covered athletes. So obviously, people are going to continue talking about him. So whether or not Carmelo Anthony likes it really doesn't make a difference. This comparison is going to stick with LeBron James until he retires, and even until after he retires, until somebody surpasses LeBron, this argument is still going to continue to happen. So... To me, I'm under on the fact that Carmelo Anthony doesn't like it. Uh, next up, are you up or under on Clyde Drexler saying that skipping over other uh, players for the GOAT debate is blasphemous? You know, and he says that this is not just a two-man race. He's talking about some of the other all-time greats, you know, including the, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the Wilt Chamberlain, you know, kind of the players we brought up two episodes ago in our, when we reacted to ESPN's all-time uh, top ten list. But are you up or under on Drexler saying this? Um, I'm up on this because of the fact that I will I will say this. In my opinion, I think it is a two. Well, no, I have definitively Michael Jordan as my goal and I have LeBron as number two. So I will say for me, it's more of a two-man race. But 
I do understand where he's coming from in the sense of, you know, you look at, like, comments on the NBA and stuff these days and, like, all these, like, you know, these kids and, like, random casuals and stuff commenting on the NBA. And these guys just gloss over the fact that, like, legends like Kareem and Will and stuff were all just bumps, you know. And that, to me, is the really disrespectful part because of these guys. These guys are the ones who, you know molded the game into what it is today and these guys are all top five top ten even if you want you know greatest of all time players um in their own right and i think that's the main point where clyde drexler comes from is the fact that you know you see so much disrespect for all of these guys today and people just gloss over all these guys and say you know michael jordan lebron james kobe or whatever you know that's it after that, you know, Kareem, Will, Bill Russell, all these guys are trash, which is completely untrue. Um, and the game would not be what it is today without them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I do think, like, just like you, I feel like MJ is my number one. He's my goat, especially while I'm watching the MJ documentary. Like, it's amazing because, again, a lot of people say that Michael has had all these, he's had all the accolades and that's why he's a goat. No, that's not why he's the GOAT. It's that that sheer tenacity to win and the, the drive to be better, um, the work ethic, you know, all of those things combined makes him the greatest of all time in a lot of people's eyes. So, again, like that's... So, he's my number one. LeBron's obviously number two, in my opinion, chasing Michael Jordan. But, again, like you said it best, like disrespecting the players who great players who paved the way for guys like Michael and LeBron to be as great as they are like it's 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 that's that's the blasphemous part is disrespecting these guys when they have been all time like they're all time greats but again there can only be one goat so you know as much as Clyde hates to admit it, it it's a two man race yeah, um, next up, are you up or under on reportedly uh, Tom Thibodeau be uh, heading the list for the next New York Knicks head coach position? Uh, it, it, like this, it literally can't be an episode without some headline from the Knicks because the Knicks can't seem to keep internal affairs internal. Well, I mean, so, in fairness to the Knicks, it is the media capital of the world, so okay, that nothing, is true. nothing is a secret in New York. But things have to be leaked for it to be published in the media. But I will say this: Tom Thibodeau wouldn't be my first choice in if if we're looking at a head coach for today's game. I think Tom Thibodeau is a great coach. He's a great defensive coach, and he was a very great coach for the time that he was coaching in. But if we're talking about the modern game, if we're talking about what the Knicks really need, the Knicks need a developer. They need somebody to come in to mold their young players. And they want someone who is more in tune with the modern style of play. You know, the Knicks don't have a ton of great defensive players. So what is Tom Thibodeau going to come and do and expect? It's just going to be Minnesota all over again. You want someone who can help these players grow into what they're good at. So... I would not say, like, I'm under. I don't think Tom Thibodeau should be the top of their list. I think the Knicks honestly should look into the college system or they should try to get a a good young assistant who they can grow their team with. But 
you know, for me personally, I don't think Tom Thibodeau is the right guy. I mean, I've talked about, I've made my thoughts on Tom Thibodeau clear um, before. Um, I think for me, the whole Minnesota thing really epitomized what Tom Thibodeau is for me, which is a guy that's not, as a head coach, uh, is not suited for the modern game. I think his time has passed. Now, as an assistant coach, he's a great assistant coach. He's a great defensive coordinator. I think that's what he's suited to be. But again, I don't think he's suited to be a head coach, especially in this era. And I think bringing him as your head coach to the Knicks, especially with the roster that you have, as you talked about, I mean, uh, as you talked about, um, would be a whole Minnesota situation all over again, if not worse, because it is the Knicks. You know, um, I don't think this is a good idea. Um, but obviously, this is all speculation, so we don't really know what's gonna happen. But again, in terms of this report, I wouldn't like it. Yeah. And finally, are you up or under on Matt Barnes stating that he did not accept the 2017 championship ring from the Golden State Warriors because he said that he got he felt like he got a free ride? Listen, man, um, I don't know how to feel about this because I did, I, I, in, in one sense, I respect it. And, you know, it does line up with who Matt Barnes is as a guy. You know, he's a real guy. And him saying that, you know, he, he was on the bench for most of the run and he didn't feel like he deserved it because he, you know, he didn't put in that work, all of that, blah, blah, blah. I respect that, okay? At the same time, though, if somebody offered me a ring worth like a billion dollars, okay, yo, I'm taking that. Matt Barnes, please, if you're listening to this, you can give me your ring. I'll take uh, your championship ring if you don't want it, you know? <laughs> Uh, like I'm, I'm cool with literally just sitting here and uh, uh, accepting the ring for nothing that I did. Um, I'll take it off your hands if you know you don't want it. To be honest, again, I'm in the same boat as you in the sense that like I'm conflicted here. I, I'm up on the sense that like, you know, Matt Barnes is just a real dude that he didn't. Ex- like, he he felt like he didn't deserve that ring. He didn't earn that ring, and he felt and he didn't take it. But I'm under in the sense that. Matt Barnes did hit some pretty big shots in the, in that series. Although it wasn't very competitive, he hit some key shots. He did contribute. He did play uh, on that team. And I do think he should have just accepted the ring. Because at the end of the day, whether Matt Barnes agrees with it or not, next to his name will always be 2017 NBA champion. So I would say having a ring is better than not having a ring. Even like even if he felt like he got a free ride, like you don't have to like wear it public, you don't have to announce it publicly, but I would have taken the ring just on the fact that I was on this team. I did do some things on it, but obviously I wasn't the main reason why we won. But hey, look let at me, James Jones. He still accepted three rings. Yeah, exactly. No, no four, let me uh four. Uh, <laughs> uh, three, three. three, three is three, it's three. three. Yeah. No, but let me just uh make one more point. Um, I think it relates to whole the you know the whole bench warmer uh, discussion in the NBA about oh these guys are bench warmers they don't deserve the ring when in fact you know these guys whoever makes the NBA is one of the top one percent you know best players in the world let's get that out of the way if you're in the NBA you're one of the best in the world period um, and then also the fact that even if you don't play, you can contribute in other ways. You know, you're looking at guys who provide veteran leadership. Um, in practice, if you don't have, you know, the guy in front of you, you're not going to be as good when you get to the game because you need an opponent against you and, you know, when you're practicing. 
all these guys that are sitting on the bench, they all contribute to a championship as well. You know, even if you're not playing, you still contribute. You're, you know, veteran leadership. Guys, like, if you're looking at, you know, people like to make fun of Jared Dudley and all that. I guarantee you, you take D Jared Dudley off that team, that team would definitely not be as good as it is right now. On the, the I'm talking about the Lakers. Um, so even, you know, it points to a whole, you know, it's a whole other discussion. But bench warmers in the NBA, to be honest, I think deserve those rings as well. Yeah, I mean, again, if you're part of that championship roster, I feel like you deserve a ring um, regardless. You know, you're part of the roster. You're, you're still part of the organization. You're part of the reason why why this team won, no matter how big, no matter how small. All parts are involved when a championship, when they win a championship. And we should know, being Raptor fans, that just winning one is just absolutely amazing for an organization. But with that, that concludes this week's episode. We definitely hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Definitely subscribe to the show on all the various podcasting platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, basically wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us. Uh, also, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at up letter N under pod, Facebook.com slash up and under podcast. Follow us there for all the latest updates whenever we post a new episode or our reaction to news, you know, headline news as they occur. So definitely follow us there. Uh, also, check out our website, upandunderpodcast.com. It's our central hub for the show. It's also a place where we write blog posts along with each episode. So if you don't have time to listen to the full episode, you can read about it as well. So definitely check that out if you haven't already done so. And finally, I've been saying it every episode of the quarantine. But stay safe. Although things are starting to open up, definitely keep following the health officials. And um, hopefully we can get through this soon. And again, hopefully sports will be coming back soon so we can finally get some better content out for you guys. But hope you guys enjoyed the episode. As always, we'll see you guys all in the next one. Take it easy. Easy.